Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner, Ari. Hello. And his lovely White Castle shirt right there. If you guys are watching, listening on YouTube, it's the, see his beautiful t-shirt. It's the breakfast White of Castle. champions. <laughs> breakfast of value investors, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we're not sponsored by white castle just to be clear yeah it, it's cheap until the heart attack and then it gets very expensive. <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's fitting that you say that because he himself is a doctor medical doctor <laughs> obviously not a very good one if i eat there though exactly exactly all right in this episode we will talk about the Darden Restaurant, the second part of this episode that covers financial management and valuation. Again, quick three things, housekeeping items. If you want the checklist, uh, we go through a checklist uh, that we put together for every company that we analyzed. If you would like a copy of the checklist, email us at info at valueinvestor.org. Again, info at valueinvestor.org. We also have a community where you can talk to us directly. You can talk to the community at large, our listeners. Um, so email us for that as well. And lastly, um, if you'd like us to cover a company that you have in mind, uh, also email us at info at or leave us comments or reach out to us on Twitter, uh, whichever way you prefer. All right, let's get right to it. Hari, um, actually quickly, quick disclaimer before we jump into the checklist, please. Yeah, this is the Value Investor TV podcast. Um, we are a podcast that helps educate you on the concepts behind value investing. Uh, we uh, are not financial advisors. We don't know your specific financial situation. So please consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment decisions. All right. Don't trust us is what Harry said. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Entertainment purposes and educational purposes. But you can send us money. We're okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Send us plenty of money. We'll, man, we'll, we'll go to White Castle with it. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. This episode, we are continuing our conversation with Darden Restaurant. Just to quickly highlight what we talked about in the last episode. It's a company. It's a, it's a sort of a umbrella company that owns a bunch of uh, restaurant brands, uh, namely... Uh, namely um, Olive Garden is a, is a really famous one that they own. Uh, Texas Longhorn Steakhouse is another one. Um, so they, it's, a, it's, a, it's a collection of restaurant brands. They have, uh, they, you know, brands, the brand moat is the biggest moat that they have. They have some low cost and intangible asset moat that we talked about in the last episode. And because, you know, they're in the restaurant business, it is it does require a lot of capital reinvestment. We said it about a third of their uh, of their uh, of their uh, free free cash flow operation goes into uh, into into, uh, into capex and no red flags in terms of relationship management. So no no red flags in terms of customers, suppliers, employers, uh, employees, regulators, etc. All right. So the next question on our checklist is: is the is the company able to translate its moat? And we talked about a couple. Uh, three of them in the last episode is the company able to translate its moat into high returns on capital yeah so the um the interesting part about this business is um the answer to that question is yes they actually can they generate about a 30 percent return on equity and 
I want to highlight the, I want, I think return on equity is actually appropriate here. Um, you know, they are, um, they're not an over leveraged business, um, for a company who has a, um, you know, about, uh, you know, as we talked about on the, uh, the, you know, the cash on hand and, and so forth, their total assets were, um, $9.9 billion. Um, and what's interesting here is that in 2019, you know, they, they were not main, uh, uh, documenting operating leases as either uh, as a liability until 2020. And what's interesting about that is they actually have a, uh, liability, uh, for the operating lease, um, which is what many companies, you, you know, if you have a lease with a rest with a landlord, you, you, you put that on the balance sheet. Additionally, what they, they would do is they actually have an asset that they call, um, operating leaps right of use asset. So that um, roughly cancels out the the debt. Um, and so their equity didn't change over time. So it's actually easy to compare apples to apples comparison because they have this asset and the liability that kind of offsets it. So even though they have to pay three and a half billion dollars over the next however many years they have leases, they still have an, an asset that they can use, you know, because there is an, an uh, operating lease that they they have a right to use that you know so they they basically get 3.3 or 3.9 billion dollars of operating leases as the asset and a liability so this kind of balances out the equity base which is i think appropriate because yes you are you do have to pay that money out but you also have the right to use that uh you know lease uh to you know for your restaurants um so taking that into account the equity based you know, was roughly staying the same. Um, and so as a result of that, you get around 30% return on equity, which has been, um, you know, is, is a very good number for a restaurant, right? Uh, restaurants are not typically extremely profitable. You know, their equity base is, is floating around 2.3, uh, billion, um, and, you know, has steadily grown, you know, from, you know, in 1997, it was 1.08 billion. So it's kind of, over time doubled while they maintain, you know, reasonable debt levels, um, you know, in the 900 million, uh, range. Um, but they did have to take on some debt, which is not reflected in the May, 2020, uh, because of COVID. So, um, we'll have to look at those when the, the next, um, uh, quarterly, uh, earnings come out, uh, to kind of look at the, the debt levels there. But, um, uh, from a, from a balance sheet perspective, it's, it's, you know, the return on equity of 30%, I think is a, is a very solid number. That's, I mean, that's a very respectable number. Uh, not, not only, not only within restaurant business, but overall, any business wise, yeah. I mean, return on equity of 30% is a quite respectable number there. Right. So that's great. Um, so they're doing something right in terms of leveraging the remote and, and turning them into high returns on capital. Yeah. All right. So moving on to more, you know, doing more deep dive into the financials. Does the company have enough cash to maintain its business? You remember you said a nine point nine billion in cash, cash equivalent. Is that did I hear you right? Uh, that was that? total assets. Total uh, assets. Okay. One point one billion of that is current assets, um, and you know they have a um, so, you know these trademark and goodwill account for almost 2 billion 1.8 billion of of their assets so this is goodwill from the acquisitions that they've had 
and trademarks that they have acquired, um, you know, to, uh, you know, which are, are being amortized over time. Um, so, you know, but their tangible assets is around, uh, you know, or sorry, the current assets is 1.1 billion um, and 760 million of cash. So in a normal year, they were generating about 800 million in cash flow, free cash flow. That was in 2019 and it was up from 600 million, 620 million in 2018. So, you know, they they are generating a, a decent amount of free cash flow also. Um, and so I, 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 I look at that as a, you know, they have a comfortable, you know, manageable uh, load of, you know, uh, you know, based on cash flow. Mm. Makes sense. Um, and does the company maintain reasonable debt level? Yeah. So we kind of talked about that. We'll have to see what it looks like. You know, 900 million was what the, the, the debt level was. Um, but they also took 750 million from a revolving credit facility 270 million in new loans so that's almost a billion dollars that they've you know so they almost doubled their debt uh and their follow-on they they did 505 million of follow-on equity so they they basically diluted themselves to um raise some cash so i think that's you know considering what what has happened i think that's acceptable they generated a decent amount of free cash flow so i don't think it's gonna really hurt them long term so mm-hmm also, just a quick glance at their balance sheet and their free cash flow. They, the management, you said, you know, they've been around for a long time. This management uh, sort of racked up the, the debt right after uh, 2008 crisis. Around 2008 crisis, the debt went up all the way to like 2.8, 2.7, 2.7, yeah, 2.7 billion dollars, and they were able to pay it back. It went all the way down to 400 million dollars. Yeah, so they've they they've done a good job maintaining their finances, and I I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think this is a conservatively financed company. There's no reason to take on debt, um, so I, I I would give uh, management high high marks for not being foolish with you know oh we're gonna trouble our business let's take three billion dollars in debt you know and then mm-hmm. now this is a you know albatross that's eating away all their cash flow so yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and then we kind of talked about the last last bit here. Can the company generate a strong amount of free cash flow from operation? I think the answer is yes. Do you have anything else to add to that question? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, 2020 is going to be, or 2021 is going to be a good indicator of how quickly, uh, you know, things return to normal. I want to see uh, what the winter of 2020 looks like too, because that's kind of their their good year or their, their highest uh, performing quarter uh, in terms of revenue. So, you know, really what we want to look at from a company perspective is how are they doing, um, you know, through this pandemic time. And I think they're going to be fine, you know, but they have a lot of, a lot of brands that they, you know, they talk about, um, you know, and, and their, their various levels of, you know, uh, uh, profitability for each one, which I, I didn't really dig into very much, but, you know, some of these ex- more expensive luxury brands, are they going to be okay? You know, is it going to be the the more middle tier brands that are going to hurt more? So that that's all the stuff that you would want to watch uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on to another batch of questions. This one's related to management. 
And you, you talked about, you know, higher marks for management that they didn't take on this huge debt, pretty conservative financed uh, capital structure, which is great. So let's just dig into that a little bit more. Is the management properly incentivized to protect shareholder interest over its own? So I, I, I'm gonna I, I'm actually gonna spend more time talking about what they're doing with my capital um, if I were to own this because um, I didn't actually dig into their the management uh, incentive structure um, because part of it is because the you know this is a company that has over over time since '97 they basically cut their shares outstanding in half. Um, from 240 million shares to down to 122 million shares. Um, and so, you know, and, and all the while they were paying a, a, a reasonable dividend. And so part of my concern here is that, um, you know, with a, with a business like this, their dividend is now um, suspended. Their share buybacks are dis- uh, suspended. It's a slow growing mm-hmm. business. When is when am I going to see you know a return right? Um, you know this company has to be fairly cheap in order for me to actually want to invest in them, um, because if I'm not going to see a return for two or three years, then um, you know because they're they're so have suspended all their share buybacks and dividends, um, this isn't a great time right? So I'm in, in in my mind their capital allocation has to be very closely watched now as opposed to I think. I would agree that their capital allocation has been very good in the past. Now I would like to see them, what are, how are they going to respond to this current, you know, the current crisis? Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, have you noticed, I guess one of the last questions here in the management, have you noticed any red flags in terms of their honesty, openness, mm-hmm. anything, anything there you can no, I, I mean, tease out? No, they're pretty, pretty straightforward. It's a straightforward business. It's, you know, not, not a lot to hide in here. It's a good, well-run business, high return on equity. Um, my biggest concern is, you know, when is the return to shareholders going to start again? I see. All right. All right. Let's get to the final bit here on, on valuation. All right. Take me through your assumptions and uh, the final valuation intrinsic value calculation. So I, I'm going to assume that um, this company has returns to their normal cash flow, which may be aggressive. Um, but I, I'm going to consider 800 million as their free cash flow, initial cash flow uh, value. And I'm going to take a fairly low growth rate of 5% for the first five years, 3% for the for thereafter. So Basically, this company will match inflation uh, long term, and our discount rate is always ten percent. Um, I'm using 123 million shares outstanding, and we actually have 930 million uh, in debt. Um, so, with our updated balance sheet, um, I'll, I'll give you the first without the, the the one the with only a billion in debt first, and then we'll double it. Um, and see how that affects our valuation. But um, we get an intrinsic value of $99 per share, margin of safety price of $49.40. So uh, right now they're trading at $87 a share, you know, as we record this. So, you know, they're not exactly cheap, right? Um, 
you know, if you had watched them closely during the pandemic, you would have probably been able to get them for, you know, in March, you would have probably been able to get them under $40, which was, uh, you know, roughly where our margin of safety price is. Um, if you look at this as a, you know, with the, with the debt load um, higher, you know, I, I don't really see how this, you know, this is not a, a business that I can kind of, um, you know, with, with 1.9 billion in debt, um, you know, the intrinsic value is around $75 a share, um, margin of safety price around $37 a share. So it's pretty expensive. I don't see how you're going to get your money out of this, you know, out of this company, uh, fairly soon. So, you know, my concern here would be, um, and, and I would want them to be, you know, a, you know, if they are actually buying back shares, I want them to be buying back shares at, um, a lower price than this, right? Uh, I, I would prefer actually that they paid a dividend right now. And, uh, you know, that was like two, $3 a share. So you're getting like a 3% return, you know, from the dividend. So there's not a whole lot right now that I that makes me just excited about this company. I think it's a good business. Um, you know, under forty dollars a share, I would seriously consider it. But it's it's more of a one time you know value play rather than a long term hold for me. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. I mean, in terms of the long term growth runway, right? It's very limited upside, and you're really looking for. It seems almost like a somewhere in between cigar butt strategy and then long term, very, very, you know, very good company, at decent price, not cheap price, but decent price, right. somewhere in the middle there. Yep. Yeah. But it sounds like the it sounds like the intrinsic value um, is uh, right now. It's trading at around intrinsic value. Yeah. From your estimation, but you know, of course, we want to get it below below uh, below that. So, all right. Um, that sounds good. Any uh, anything else you want to add to this, Ari? Um, the only thing I would say is that um, you know, if if you're a beginner and you're looking for a company to start, you know, to 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 evaluate, I would say Darden is probably a good one to look at. Um, you know, we've mentioned a few of them in the past, uh, like Skechers was a good one. You know, these are relatively simple businesses where, um, you know, it, it doesn't, they, there's no real complex accounting. The, the business is pretty easy to understand. Um, so if you're, if you're new to this and you're like, I, I, I'm, you know, I've listened to you guys before you've talked about all of this stuff. Um, I, I would highly recommend looking at a company like this to, as your first 10 K, right? If you're going to read one, this one is a very straightforward business to analyze, um, there's not a lot of magic uh, to what's going on, and I think you you'd you'd have a good ch chance of kind of analyzing this. You know, it's a good business to learn from and you know to try and understand you know and test your concepts. So, uh, may not be the greatest business to own right now or at this price, but uh, you know we don't we don't you know I think we get this question a lot. You know, why do you guys always talk about so many businesses that aren't you know cheap enough to invest in? And the reality is that this is this is what investing is, right? Is you're going to spend the majority of your time finding businesses that are too expensive, but they're good. 
Um, and if you were savvy in March, you could have paid, you know, for this company and you would have doubled your money, right? More than doubled your money. So um, that's, that's the, that's the purpose of value investing, right? Is you make that list and you keep that list up to date. And then when, when stocks go on sale, you have the opportunity to buy them, right? And so it's very important that you, you focus on that, uh, on keeping that list up to date, because I, I will tell you in the Slack channel, I heard from a lot of our investor, you know, our, our, our people who are saying, you know, I'm going to wait until it drops even lower, it drops even lower. And that day never came. Right. And a lot of them missed out on opportunities to buy. And so you have to be very mindful of that because the price that you pay is an absolute, right. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world, right. It, it, it's, you, you buy some percentage of your stock and then you just keep going as long as it's below that margin of safety, you know, price. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Darden restaurant. I learned about Darden restaurant. I didn't know about them, but, uh, thanks Harry for taking us through that. Uh, if you guys have a company that you have in mind, again, email us at info at valueinvestor.org. We'll take a look at them for future episodes. And again, if you'd like a copy of our checklist, email us again, info at valueinvestors.org. And the Slack channel that Hari mentioned, if you want to be part of that also, email us to the same address, info at valueinvestor.org. All right. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Uh, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.